Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mark Woods, and I'm back with another Page One podcast, and today we're doing a Facebook Live. That's how multimedia we are. I don't know that I am. A, this is like juggling. We'll, we'll try and make it work, but Andrew can make these things happen. Um, I'm with Andrew Pentazzi and David Bauerlein. Um, have both of them here today because of a story you had in Sunday's paper, um, a story that ran with the headline, Making Jacksonville a Safer City. And I was thinking about it, how there's some issues that we disagree about, people disagree about, but we often have, we agree about the goal. And I think mm-hmm. this is one of them where I think everybody would say they want a safe city. And, you know, a large majority of the people, of people in Jacksonville will probably say we want it to be safer. But how we get there is where the disagreements come in. Um, so before we get to the how we get there, maybe you guys can talk about where we are right now. So the story we wrote basically was looking at this problem that I think we use the word intractable. This problem's been around for many, many, many years, if not decades. Obviously, every time there's a city election, there's an opportunity for people to come forward and say, if elected, here's what I would do because you're gonna have a four-year term and we all know that these are not quick fix problems. It's gonna take a systemic lasting impact in order to turn this, turn it around. So this was uh, the first of a number of issue series that we're going to do for the election. And obviously, crime, public safety, every time is high on voters' minds. Certainly this time around, uh, it's one that the challenger, Anna Brochet, is making a big issue in the campaign against the mayor, Lenny Curry. Just as four years ago, he made it a big issue against then-Mayor Alvin Brown. So this was a chance to kind of let both candidates as long as the two other mayor candidates and the sheriff candidates speak their piece and say, what would they do if they had the power to really try and put something in effect that would change things? Right, and you led off by saying there's, um, in the first six weeks of 2019, JSO already investigating 18 murders, and last Thursday, uh, Powell Park, 24-year-old and a 14-year-old killed. Um, You had a, a great quote from this, Jacksonville resident Tina Jones at a task force meeting that said we must change the channel and stop burying them, holding hands, carrying roses, raising doves and balloons, and said what kind of what are we going to do? So, um, yeah, I guess Andrew, explain what you would add to it, what David said about where we are and what where, where we go from here. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with David, um, and we use the word intractable because even when Duval County has had decreases in our murder rate, um, it's not as severe as is seen elsewhere. Um, we still are lagging. Um, things are certainly safer than they were in the 1980s um, when Jacksonville just had a, a massive amount of murders. Um, uh, almost uh, 199 murders in 1989 with a population that was nearly half. So things are better than they were then. Mm-hmm. The difference is things are even 
way better in other counties. And, and kind of this is a question that comes up in every election, which is why isn't Jacksonville doing as well as, say, Hillsborough County um, or Broward County or Pinellas County or any of these you know, similar areas in Florida that have experienced uh, even sharper crime reductions. Um, so there, there have been a number of strategies um, that have been put in place four years ago. Lenny Curry campaigned on a promise of um, adding more um, police officers, um, and he likes to point out that he added 180 positions to the budget. Um, the city has also, uh, uh, in a cooperative effort with the sheriff um, and the state attorney, um, as well as the city, tried to do call-ins with um, people who are suspected of being in gangs. They've tried doing um, uh, various different things, and the state attorney's office has really taken a lead approach on putting together a report of potential options for the city going forward. What's different today from four years ago, um, and, and David covers city government more so he can speak to this, is four years ago, um, there was a very simplistic solution presented. Um, when Lenny Curry first ran four years ago, he said, there is um, a, an enormous problem of violence in our streets, and the solution is hire more police officers and restore funding cuts to the Jacksonville journey. Um, he's done those things, um, but the violent crime, actually, if you average during his three years that we have data for, compared to the four years of Alvin Brown, it's actually worse than the murder rate is, and the violent crime rate is the same. Um, and so now I think what's different is we're not getting the same pat answers, the same simplistic, well, if we just do this one thing, crime will, uh, will go down. Instead, um, both Lenny Curry um, as well as his challengers seem to be taking a more complex position, which is that there's not just a clear correlation. If we do this, crime will go down. Um, uh, Lenny Curry said at an editorial board meeting with us actually that this was one of the things that keeps him up at night that there's not one vote that can be taken that he knows will stop murders um, and so it's 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 hard and, and that's true there, there's not one thing that can be guaranteed um, but it still begs the question why is Jacksonville so far behind um, when so many other cities mm -hmm. have, have experienced drastic reductions it's it's not a one-off year it's not like this is a blip like 2018 was particularly violent um, in fact our murder rate is fairly stable um, where it's at about 12 murders per 100,000 people, um, and it's not changing. Um, and, and really, I, I, I can't begin to tell you what the right solution is as a journalist, mm -hmm. um, but we just kind of wanted to explore what are those, those possible answers. Yeah, and you mentioned, in, you had a stat in there um, that Alvin Brown, during his four years, the average was 92 murders a year. And Lenny Curry, so far during three years, I believe, average 108 per year. So, yeah, that to me illustrates how it hasn't gone down. I know he probably would argue well, as politicians usually do, that they have some spillover from whatever happened before them. Um, so what does he want to do if reelected? So in terms of police, hiring more police, that does not sound like that's something that's really anybody is actively pushing at this point. They did hire a lot of police. It feels like a lot of the attention now is on the prevention intervention. So he's talked about something called cure violence, which is something the state attorney, Melissa Nelson, brought to his attention, which is a national program. It's been tested, seems to get results. And the idea is that you have people who are from the community who can go out and talk directly to those 
who are in situations where they might be uh, likely or prone to do something of a violent nature. An example would be if you have a drive-by shooting and somebody is killed or injured in a drive-by shooting. That might then spawn a retaliation shooting. So you have people who try and get in there to kind of curb, stop that violence from spreading where it just sort of feeds off itself. Hmm. And if you start to stop that from happening, then the idea is it's similar to stopping a, an actual health epidemic. You cut off the, content, the uh, transmission of the illness, and then that allows the community to heal from it. So that's something that they're going to have some people come in from the Cure Violence Organization, I think starting Tuesday of this week. They'll be starting to look at it. He is not committed to saying, yes, he's absolutely going to do it, but he sounded like he's very interested in the program and said it was likely that something like that would be enacted by the city. Yeah, the, the story you said, he's so far unwilling to commit to any specific proposals. Is that correct? Right, and that was a good example, one where he actually has gone out and is paying the money for the people from Cure Violence to come in through the city budget, but he has not committed to it. So, yes, there's a long list of potential things that possibly could get done. At this point, he's not committed for sure to doing any of them if he's reelected to a second term. Hmm. Yeah, and if, if I can just go on with that, there, there's basically two programs simultaneously the city's looking at. One is already implemented, and it comes out of the John Jay College at the City University of New York. Um, and that really focuses more on policing. So that's where you get the gang call-ins. They, they get people who are on probation who are suspected of being gang members. They have them come uh, for a meeting with police and prosecutors there, um, and they kind of emphasize there's a carrot and there's a stick. We can get you social services. We can try to get you a job, or we're going to come after you. Um, then they go door to door and they knock and they try to get family members of the people who they think are responsible for violence. And they try to tell them, you need to intervene in this person's life and you need to, to make a difference. And that's one model. Cure violence is different in that it engages community members. It's hiring basically community members to be violence interrupters. Um, in fact, it's often trying to hire the people who they think have been violent in the past. It's, it's trying to find who are the people who have the most credibility in the community rather than a police first approach. Um, I did talk to academic experts who said the two programs can work together at the same time. They're not in conflict, but they're trying to accomplish the same goal, which is identify uh, violence like a public health structure. Think of it as, a, as an epidemic. Where is the virus starting and where can we cut it off and, and, and how can we intervene? So far, the city has uh, pledged $7,500 um, just for a, a first assessment. These programs can be expensive. Um, one of the proposals the state attorney's office put forward was a city office of violence prevention, um, which other cities have done. Um, I think Philadelphia has one. Minneapolis has one. And these offices can cost a lot of money. And, and if you look in Minneapolis, they took money from the police budget and put it into this office, um, which I think is situated under the Department of Health um, to try to delineate. They're trying to take a public health um, hmm. approach in addition to a policing approach, but that they're kind of separated. Already the sheriff would point to what he's done in the last four years, um, the civil citations, that he's um, uh, allowed for more juvenile civil citations that they've tried to emphasize diversion more than the, the previous sheriff did, um, and, and that he is 
fully invested in the John Jay program, and he thinks it will have an impact. Um, but these do have delayed results. Um, any academic you talk to will say, you're not going to get the results right away. There's, there's almost a, a feeling of uh, someone else might, you know, we'll know later on whether something is successful or not. So Alvin Brown having a lower murder rate doesn't necessarily mean Alvin Brown's programs worked. It might mean John Payton's programs worked. Um, we, we could never really know um, what the impact is going to be. And, and that makes it even harder because as a politician, uh, you're running on a four-year cycle. So you want something that can deliver results right away. Um, and being able to point to something like we hired 180 police officers is easier to point to than saying we invested in a program that, trust me, 10 years down the road, you're going to really enjoy, but you're not going to see the benefits until then. Right. It seems like we tend to do that with a lot of different things. I remember for a while, literacy was this huge issue in town that we were going to make a big push. And that's not the kind of thing that you see overnight results if you're, mm-hmm. you're emphasizing that with, you know, pre-K or even if you're emphasizing with adults, but um, it seemed like a very important issue. And I know it is still to a lot of people, but you don't hear it emphasized the way it was. And that's not the kind of thing you see turned around overnight and murder rate, a lot of our big issues. That's, yeah. that takes time. Um, you know, we, you touched on this just very briefly, the main challenger, Anna Brochet. Um, she said her big question she's asking asking voters is, is do you feel safer today than you did four years ago which is essentially the question that lenny curry was asking four years ago voters to answer um what would she do differently what does she say she would do differently than mayor curry yeah the two main takeaways that i got from her talk about what she'd do differently is number one she talks about doing a lot of the things that are already being done in the terms of early childhood, after-school programs, job training, uh, youth and prevention programs, she has put on the table as something that she would consider a potential if it would be needed in order to be able to provide the kind of financial resources to really expand those programs, which would be to do something this community has not done since 1990, which is put a referendum to ask the voters of Duval County, do you want to enact a tax that the proceeds would be dedicated to one thing and one thing only that would be go to childhood child youth intervention and prevention programs Uh, so that is something different something that uh, i've not heard any candidate put forward before as being something they would be open to doing so that's one thing that kind of distinguishes her from curry who has said he is opposed to any new tax uh, but would want to work within existing resources to be able to find the right funding mix for these programs. Uh, the other thing she talked about is something that, in a way, it seems like a little bit of a theme in terms of this idea of trying to find people in the community to act in concert with the city, which is she's talked about taking the city's GIS mapping system and census data and creating this incredibly detailed map of the city down to the street level. And also go in and identify in each of those communities down to the street level, if possible, who are the people who are already there, who are neighborhood leaders, who are business leaders, the people who are perhaps already talking to troubled youth in the communities. Find ways to support them, and they would be kind of, quote, the front line of the city's fight against crime. So in some ways, it's similar to what the cure violence approach is, except it wouldn't just be intervening if there's a, a potential violent situation about to happen. 
it would be helping support on a much on, on an everyday basis these people who are uh, in the community already who are already respected and, and people who are perhaps more likely to engender trust from within the community than say the police or city officials are so i think she said it's something that milwaukee has done in some similar fashion uh, she toured and visited that so that's something new that uh, would be different if you could actually be set up uh, and put in place in Jacksonville. That's, you mentioned a couple cities as we talked about that. That was one thing I was going to ask. Is Has anybody found kind of this, I know there's no magic solution, but has anybody found ideas that seem to be dramatically changing in, in, a, in a city similar to Jacksonville maybe? that Sometimes it's hard to compare, you know, I, I think if we, compared to a really small city or a New York City, it's, it's different. But is there a, uh, you know, a city with a similar size population and demographic stars where they've dramatically changed their, their murder rate? Um, I th- there have been a lot of cities that have experimented in a lot of ways that have seen murder reductions. But the challenge in looking at those cities, which is going to be the same if this is successful, if, um, if we implement a lot of these proposals that State Attorney Melissa Nelson uh, suggested in, in this plan, um, and then we do see a reduction in murder rate, and people look at us, everyone's going to see what they want to see, which mm-hmm. is um, someone might come along and say, it's because you implemented an Office of Violence Prevention. Someone else is going to come along and say, it's because you hired more police officers. Someone else is going to come along and say, it's because you did cure violence. And someone's going to say, no, it's not cure violence. It's the John Jay program. Um, everyone is doing everything they can, which is great. We, we want public officials to, to try a lot of different things. Hmm. Um, but it makes it sometimes hard to apply academic rigor to trying to identify what's the control group, what actually had an impact. Can we really know what it was that was making a difference? Did New York City experience crime reduction primarily because of gentrification or primarily because of stop and frisk or primarily because uh, they moved from place-based to people-based policing, which is a big debate? Like that, They were trying so many different things at mm-hmm. once that um, New York City is the, the, the big um, – what everyone looks at as you know the true success story because they have such a low murder rate and it's hard to know i mean some people are going to look at new york city and say it's purely because of the gun laws that they are much stricter on their gun control in new york city than elsewhere other people are going to see something else and i think the same thing will happen here um and it's the same thing with what policy proposal you pick um you can kind of make any proposal um, look like it is solely responsible if you want to. Um, when the the truth of the matter is, we really don't know exactly what it is, and it's probably right to try a number of different things all at once. I was going to say, um, there's one city that's very similar to Jacksonville that had good success a few years ago, and that is the city of Jacksonville, <laughs> because the city actually put in place the Jacksonville journey when John Payton was mayor. So this would have been at a time where there was this upsurge in crime far worse in terms of the total number of of violent crimes and the rate of increase city came together put together this combination of stepped up law enforcement along with rolling out of some uh, youth intervention prevention programs and the results seemed to work Uh, there was a reduction in the number of murders a reduction in violent crime for uh, two three years then it started to go back up and you might say well that's the time then to redouble your efforts because it was working well 
the city ran into the financial fallout from the Great Recession. There was a real shortage of funding. They were looking at ways, you know, they were trying to, they had to cut stuff across the board. So there just wasn't the money to redouble that effort. So that's one model that might work. You know, look at doing something like that. Uh, the law enforcement is about the level it was in times of Jack's journey. Uh, there has been an increase in prevention and intervention. Is it enough? I mean, they never, the city never achieved the five-year goal the Jacksonville journey had for funding those youth programs and mm -hmm. also those adult programs to help the uh, offenders reintegrate to the community. So the prevention and intervention part is yet to be fully tried at the level that the Jacksonville journey organizers said the city really needed to do. And one thing that uh, the mayor said during our interview, um, uh, he put out a hypothetical of, um, I forget how much it was, I think it was 50 million. He said, do you really think that putting 50 million extra dollars into uh, what's called the Kids Hope Alliance, it's our coordinated- said 40 million. But or, or 40 million, that do you think that that would um, be the best use of resources? Like, would that be the best return on investment? And he said, he did not think so. Um, uh, now, he didn't say we shouldn't increase the, the budget at all, but he was trying to indicate that um, he felt like um, uh, there needs to be multiple programs. Um, he specifically talked about alternative schools, which in Jacksonville, those are the schools that um, the, the most problematic at-risk students sometimes go to. They're the places that try to get someone graduated who is having trouble in a traditional school. And he was talking about the need to put more services in those schools as one example of something he'd like to look at in his next four years. And one point you mentioned comparing this to a health issue, an epidemic, and I was thinking about how um, last year, I don't want to, I don't remember the exact name of the annual gathering of local health officials, and it brings in people nationally. Um, and their issue, last year they focused on food deserts, this year it was on guns, and they wanted, and this kind of gets back to the start of this, that we all want a safer thing, but there's certain ways that we disagree on. That seems to be a classic example of gun control, not gun control. They were advocating for more studying of guns. They said we have not studied gun violence in, in America in general um, the way we need to, just to figure out how can we make it safer. Is that anything that's come up in in this in this debate it, it hasn't come up this time but when alvin brown uh was elected and um this is where partisan labels in jacksonville really don't mean the same thing they do on a national level so john payton was a republican um uh, who i think most anyone would say was a conservative republican but when he was mayor he was a part of the mike bloomberg coalition of mayors to end gun violence which a lot of conservatives usually really hate Alvin Brown, a Democrat, got elected, and one of the early things he did in his term was he withdrew Jacksonville from the coalition um, of mayors to end gun violence. And, and there's been no appetite I've seen um, among the candidates to talk about guns as a root cause of the violence here. And, and I'm not sure in Florida whether, quite frankly, cities are able to enact their own gun control legislation the way they are in some other parts of the, of the uh, country. So it's basically something like what John Payton did, which was ally yourself with like-minded people who would like to change the laws at the state and federal level. Uh, there's no uh, nothing that I'm aware of where that's being studied or pushed. Uh, although, when you look at the statistics, it really is true that Jacksonville 
has a violent crime problem, but one criminologist pointed out to me, you really have a violent, uh, a violent gun problem. That's really where Jacksonville stands out compared to other cities. And I, I will say this about the sheriff's office, because they have made guns um, a focus. Um, their big focus has been on guns that get stolen, stolen yeah. um, that children, um, which children can't walk into a store and buy a gun um, anyway, but children very easily have access to guns, partly through, um, uh, according to the sheriff's office, partly through um, uh, cars where they can see the guns inside the car and the car is unlocked. Um, and so the sheriff's office has had a... Um, a vigorous social media campaign to get people to lock up their guns and lock up their vehicles um, uh, to to stop that access to, to firearms. Um, I know other cities have seen firearms have gotten um, larger caliber and more powerful than they used to. The firearms that are seized, I don't know if that's true in Jacksonville as well. Um, but I would agree. I, I think that in Florida and in Jacksonville, we would be limited in what types of regulations can be passed. Um, uh, and so with John Payton being a part of the coalition, that was more of a, a, a note to the federal government. And that was also a, a pre-DC versus Heller where uh, the you know, national climate on gun control was very different. So we've, yeah, we've mentioned a bit about the sheriff, the mayor, mayoral race, um, but obviously there's a lot of other folks involved. So maybe natural to kind of wrap up with the task force and what else is being done by others in the city and where what is the, t the task force with what 243 people on it now um, <laughs> what is it 43 people i think it's uh, got 42 people 42, right okay. so uh, maybe they'll deadlock 21 21 on their recommendations yeah. well there is a task force that aaron bowman the city council president pulled together it's really heavily comes from people who are already in the community there's only two city council members on it so it's going to have a good cross-section of voices. They're supposed to have some recommendations, I think, in May on uh, what to do now. And they are really looking at not the law enforcement side. They're saying, what can we do outside of law enforcement to try and correct this problem over the long term? So uh, their recommendations should be interesting. Some people say, well, this is going to be Jacksonville Journey all over again. It may have some similarities to Jacksonville Journey, but there's some things they've talked about that weren't in the journey in terms of job training is something that could be different. Uh, they may come out with some specific funding recommendations, which would be different from what we have at least in front of us now. Say they always, it always costs money, which is where the, the great idea is, and, but we run into that. That's right, exactly. Uh, there's also, uh, I think uh, the state attorney's office is doing, uh, has a juvenile justice task force, which could have some interesting recommendations coming out of it. Then there's a cure violence study, which should have some interesting recommendations out of that. I personally think studies are good. I don't think there's anything wrong with having this kind of community debate. The implementation's the thing, and whether, you know, you have so many recommendations that just a few, few are done, and then everybody moves on to the next issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know some people have pointed to the fact that there were studies done 10 years ago um, uh, and, and even older than that. Um, I would say the, the national climate is different. Um, for example, the way gangs are organized today are very different from the way gangs were back then. They are very um, horizontal. It's peer-to-peer. -peer. It's not you know hierarchical in structure. Um, access to guns is different than it was 10 years ago. Um, I think it's important, like David said, uh, to do these studies, but it's also easy to do a study um, uh, and gain some political cover. 
Um, it's easy to say, you know, we're looking at cure violence and we're interested in what they have to say. Um, but then when push comes to shove, when the next budget comes out after the election is over um, to say it's just um, uh, too costly and it's not our best use of resources. So are you going to actually follow through and do the hard decisions? And one thing that Lenny Curry did make clear is he will not support any tax increase of any kind, um, whether it's a tax dedicated to children's uh, services um, or um, elsewise, that he does not support any tax increase. So that gives us at least that idea of um, kind of the limitation. So anything that is enacted is going to have to take money from somewhere else or be the result of rising property tax um, revenue. Well, great. Obviously, this is a topic that unfortunately isn't going away. Um, important one and um, that you guys will be both both be covering so thanks to David Bauerlein and Andrew Pantazzi for being here both on a podcast and Facebook live so what are we going to attempt next time uh, throw one more thing to juggle um, no but thanks for being here and thanks for your coverage for right. questions, Mark. thank you Mark Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.